Welcome back to another episode of Apparently with Astra. I am so excited today because we're going to be talking about breastfeeding. And we know breastfeeding is a big topic for moms. And the decision to feed your child and how to feed your child is always a big emotionally, you know, challenging decision. And I thought that I would get an expert in to talk about that. And we've got Dr. Allison Bernard. She's the president of the Breastfeeding and Nutritional Childhood Foundation. I got it wrong again. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, you don't even have to cut it, right? Because this yeah. is actually our second intro. And I don't even know why I try to remember things because I still have the mommy brain. Well, I from- was going to say your brain is your brain cells are kind of like out there somewhere. He just had a child. So, so. I'm just going to let you tell me the name of the foundation. Sure. It is the Breastfeeding and Child Nutrition Foundation. Almost had it. Thank you so much, Dr. Allison Bernard, course, for coming. Of course, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> now, um, Dr. Bernard, I, I've been so lucky because a lot of the guests that I've had in studio are people that I know from before interviewing them. So we actually had a really interesting yeah. um, getting to know each other. And our first meeting was actually over the phone. And do you remember? It was, yeah. I think it was maybe two or three days after having Ethan. Yeah. And I was in such an emotionally dark place because I felt like I had made the decision that I wanted to breastfeed, but I felt like my body hadn't (laughs) made the decision for me to breastfeed. So I actually um, got your number through another friend of ours, Andrea. And she said, you need to call Allison. She'll help you um, through this. Do you remember that? I do. I remember very well. I remember... Um, taking the call and I remember I think you were at school waiting to pick up your I I think I was actually waiting (laughs) waiting to pick up my daughter Um, and I remember you know you you, the conversation was this is really hard for me and I remember you going you know having tears crying and I remember that being you know you didn't want to have those tears you were maybe you felt that you shouldn't be crying and you, you, you kept you apologized a few times and I'm like apologizing for if you are not crying then that might be something i'm a little concerned about right it's so emotional honestly i was so sure of what my post-birth plan would be Mm -hmm. and then when it wasn't working out the way that i thought it would i felt like a failure Mm -hmm. and there's something that happens with new moms Um, I'm not going to say all moms. I can speak for myself and a few of my friends that I've had this conversation with where it's really hard to ask for help. And we don't know how to say, I need help, because we feel like it's a sense of we're not strong enough. How are we supposed to take care of this little person if we can't even do the most basic things? But, you know, I think part of that is, is that moms think that when the baby pops out the vagina mm-hmm. or comes out the uterus that they're supposed to automatically know how to breastfeed and that you know maybe a hundred years ago perhaps when you that's all you saw mm-hmm. women with their breasts out breastfeeding like six and seven babies so you automatically by seeing um and getting that exposure you kind of picked it up and then when it was your turn you managed to do it right with help and you those same women were the women that would come and support you in the breastfeeding we don't really have that now we 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 don't see 
um, you know, I got breastfed for, I think my mom told me six weeks and then she packed that in because it was too hard. <laughs> I seemed like it was, I wasn't happy Yeah. and no support back then either. So, and, and then, you know, and a lot of women just don't see their mothers and grannies breastfeeding. I think the expectations of it all, not just your internal expectations, but then the expectations of society that it's just supposed to happen naturally. naturally. It's supposed to be natural. Yeah. But breastfeeding is learned. It may be natural because without it, this this hum, the human race would not exist without mm-hmm. breastfeeding. It's natural, yes, but it's absolutely learned. You need to pick it up from the people around you. And right now, we don't live in that generation where you see a lot of women breastfeeding. It's not normalized yes. in that way. And I remember Andrea Jordan saying on my first meeting of her, and she's a breastfeeding specialist, if you don't know her, she is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She said that it is um, 10% natural, but 90% determination. Like, yes, the absolutely. milk will flow, but you've got to put the that work in. and effort in. Yeah, and absolutely. You'll you'll physically see it after putting in that work in. It, it definitely is something that, and we just posted something like that on our Instagram about the fact that a mom actually said, you know, breastfeeding is the hardest thing she's ever done. And it, re- it required dedication. She didn't even know, know she yeah. had, that she had those reserves. Because when they come out, you automatically, and I think one of the, the things that we, you, the questions you mentioned was, what's one of the mistakes that moms make? Mm-hmm. It's not a mistake. It's just um, something I, I think inherent to moms. And, and right, and this generation of moms, we automatically doubt that our bodies can do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't. Where does that come from? I, I I wonder. I mean, the same thing. They're not seeing it being done, and the women that they're seeing doing it struggle, and it's hard, and then they stop and go to formula. Mm-hmm. So if that's all you see all the time, then you don't. Th- why would you think that you're any different than that you will be able to do it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of women don't talk about the struggles that they have with breastfeeding. So if you think that it's supposed to be easy. And that everybody else is probably doing it okay. Yeah. And then you struggle. You're like, okay, there's something wrong with me. I can't do it. I, I'm going to stop now. Right. You so know? obviously things like support are really, really important. We're going to, absolutely. we're actually going to t- be talking about that um, during the show. But let's talk about those first days yeah. of breastfeeding and really what to expect from your body. For me, when mm-hmm. I gave birth to Ethan, it was a Friday afternoon and they said that, well, you know, he just came out because I thought that um, I would be breastfeeding regularly with him from the minute that he came out. They did the chest to chest. Right. And then they taught me, they, you know, they in the hospital, they taught me how to hold him and if I want to breastfeed on this breast versus this breast. And they said, listen, a lot of milk is not going to come out. He doesn't need a lot. Right. Stomach is this big and... Um, he just, he, you won't have to feed him that much within the first 24 Four hours. hours. Yes. That's correct, right? Yes. So they, won't, they won't ask for a lot in the first 24 hours. And often in the first 24 hours, they literally are just sleeping. They're so tired. <laughs> it's, so, it's hard being born. The good born. old days. It's hard being born. Come on. <laughs> right? It's exhausting, really. And, you know, I was, I, I felt the nerves already coming in. Like, I could feel them because I thought to myself, I've got a, I, my body right now is here to feed this child regularly. I have to keep this child alive. That's overwhelming. And I remember the nurse coming in 
um, at a, a second time later on in the evening. And she said, okay, let's try again. And I kept trying to do it. And she kept asking, do you feel him latching? Do you feel, I'm like, I don't really feel, mm-hmm. I don't feel anything. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. Right. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. And she said, ah, he's probably getting, he's probably getting it. Don't worry. He's not crying. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we put him down and then he slept through the night and we tried again in the morning and I still wasn't sure, yeah. but I was so excited to go home with Ethan. Mm-hmm. I said, let's go, let's pack it up. They said, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And I settled in with him when I got to the house and I tried to feed him again. And I felt him on my nipple, but I didn't feel like he was pulling. Mm-hmm. I just felt kind of like he was languishing on it. But remember, you'd never done that before. So you didn't know what yes. it should feel like. Right. But yeah. but from, I mean, the panic was starting to, to yeah, because I was away. Yeah, doing it right. Yes, and yeah. I was away from the hospital, and I felt this clock ticking. Like, oh, my gosh, okay, it's 12.15, he, has, he hasn't had food. So all Saturday I'm trying, all mm-hmm. Sunday I'm trying, and I'm telling you, I, I have this baby on my boob for like, an hour at a time Mm -hmm. and I would pop him off and he would start crying after an hour of having him on me and I thought oh my gosh I just spent an hour with him and I don't think he got anything so you You know so you so you literally got the baptism by fire I mean all (laughs) all of the stuff that you went through is exactly what to expect when Mm -hmm. you first all of those emotions that you have because first you've literally just given birth and all the emotion, all the hormones that you would have been swimming around in, you know, are still there, but they're mm-hmm. now being kind of flushed from your body and that whole, yep. the chaos of all of that. And your body just went through a trauma as well, exactly, physically. Exactly. You're, you're emotional. And in that, in that time, you're, you're at your most vulnerable and you're at the most, you're at the time where you're most likely to doubt that you're capable of doing anything, which is why you need the support. Yes. Which is why you need someone to take away take away all the other stresses, everything else that's going on. So literally you just lie in bed and you figure out how to breastfeed with some support and yes. everybody else feeds you, clothes you, brings you water. Right. The only thing they don't do is you, the, the bathroom facilities. Right. Literally. Well, well, for me, I did have support. My mom was there. My husband was there. And I was very much like I wanted to keep my circle small in those first few days. However, between my husband and my mother they were both telling me different things. Mm. So my husband was saying, don't worry about it. He's probably getting enough. Don't worry. Maybe he's crying over something else or, you know, it's a, he's popped into a new world. There's sounds, there's lights. He might be feeling overwhelmed himself. Or, um, so I was hearing that from my husband. And then my mother, every time she heard him cry or make mm-hmm. a peep, she's like, oh, he's hungry. You should just get him formula. Just get him formula. He's hungry. It's not working. Just, right. you know, she she did encourage the breastfeeding, but she was like, you need to make sure that you have formula on hand because you don't want this baby to starve to death. She was very wow. um, yeah. specific about that. Yeah. And that freaked me out as well. So I'm telling you, this is all in the span of him being born to maybe 24 hours later. I'm hearing all of these different and, and so, in my head and so that's why you you either need to 
to find someone who has breastfed and breastfed, breastfed successfully because they will tell you that whether it was successful or not, it was a struggle. It's always a struggle, mm -hmm. always a struggle. And also you, to have the, so you need your mom, but you also need the right support around you for breastfeeding. You need that cheerleader in the corner saying, no, no, don't give up. Remember, he's pooping. He's peeing. Yes. You know, he's he's sleeping when he, after he's had a feed. You're good. Yes. Right. I had that. Those are things that you should look for in the I, first few days. Exactly. So, so one of the, the, what to expect when the baby's first born is, is that you'll be tired. He'll be exhausted in the first 24 hours. He or she will be exhausted in the first 24 hours. You will go through that really hard emotional time where you think you're not doing it right. And that's where... I tell all the moms that I come across, you got to get in there quick with support. Don't wait. I'll give you my own experience. Mm -hmm. So I delivered my first child in the UK hospital, UK hospital, first world country, etc. Had breastfeeding specialists, but given I was given bad advice. So I'm a pediatrician. So they assume that I knew how to breastfeed. Now, in what world do they, do they <laughs> give you practical, not, you know, skills about breastfeeding in a medical school they don't so i had no clue except for what i had seen other mothers do right right so they they left kind of left me and then said oh you need some support okay here you go some support <laughs> and that was like once and then they left me again and then i got a midwife who came on at night two o'clock in the morning and my nipples were ripped to shreds after 48 hours of just trying to do it there on my is own. no feeling there's no pain like, like that it. when your nipples start being sore and then they're chewing on and it then and, you, and then uh, they, they touch it and you literally want to do like, like uh, you can't even this is how bad it is you don't even want to wear a bra, bra you don't want painful. anything rubbing or even slightly passing so, that area so she felt sorry for me she said you know what to do don't let him feed on that breast for two days <laughs> okay Oh, so is that, that a good idea? No. Okay. So that's what I did because a midwife told me that. Okay. And I did it for two days. And no, and I, of course, as a, as a mother who's in agony, yes. you want to hear those words, oh, don't breastfeed on this breast. Cool. Okay. So I did that. And then I developed a clogged or blocked Mis milk duct. Mistitis? Not yet. Okay. I, I developed a clogged or you can call it a blocked milk duct. So literally because the milk is stagnant inside the breast, it's not moved through the ductal system, through the nipple. Right. It just kind of stays there and hardens mm -hmm. and then there's no milk coming through there. So imagine no milk coming through when your child is trying to breastfeed. It's all backing up. Yep. And it literally is like the pain, a the toothache. Pressure. It's like a toothache in your breast and I had that for two months Ugh. and it was awful. So... During those two months, you knew what was going on. There was no mm -hmm. relief from that? Well, I had breastfeeding specialists try to help me because this oh. is before my journey into breastfeeding and so on. And so I had breastfeeding specialists, but no one could tell me. My husband and I figured it out. So one day I noticed when I was, because I, I was also pumping and when yes. I was squeezing off the milk, I noticed that, of course, certain the ducts, milk was coming through certain spaces, streams. but not this one space. Yeah. So then I realized, but so then I, what I started doing was every time I fed her on the right breast, I would rotate her. So use, so I would use cradle hold, then I would do football and then I would do sideline because every time she changed, I use a different position. She was then accessing different, different ducts. ducts okay. My breast. So and just doing that rotating within a week, it was gone. And you figured that out on your own. On my own. Wow. 
And thank God for your breasts. I mean, the the pain alone. And thank God for my husband who was like (laughs) here in front of my breasts. Okay, yeah, no, I don't see any milk coming out of that one. Oh, no, it's coming out of this one. He's the MVP. He is. You got to give him a shout out right now. Lawson, Bernard, you are the MVP (laughs) and the best cheerleader any woman ever had. That is fantastic. (laughs) You know, like you said, the, the social support is important, but... You need to make sure that you're also on the same team and that you have the same goals. Exactly. And I felt like I was getting so many different um, different opinions and views that it was very confusing on top of me being hormonal and wanting to make sure that Ethan stayed alive and is he eating enough. Yeah. So by Sunday, remember, I had him on Friday. By Sunday afternoon, I was so freaked out. I called my husband upstairs because I was, I remember I was in the rocking chair with Ethan. I had just done another like hour and a half. I remember I'd watched this stupid Netflix movie the entire time (laughs) while feeding him. And I popped him off and he started crying again. Mm. And I said, I called Scott. I said, Scott, you've got to go to the supermarket. I need to get some formula because I don't think that he's getting enough food. And I said it like this. I said, you need to go get some formula. Because I was like, I don't want anybody to know that I have to go buy some formula. Because I felt Mm -hmm. the expectations of me having Mm -hmm. to breastfeed because all of my friends and all of the people in my circle had said, this is the way you're supposed to do it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. And I felt like I was committing a crime or something. Like, oh my gosh, you have to go to the supermarket and pick up formula? I felt like I was, yes, I'm feeding my child, but am I doing something terrible to him? While telling Scott to go get that, at the same time, I was on the phone with Andrea Jordan, Mm -hmm. the breastfeeding specialist, and pleading with her to please come to my house tonight because I don't know if I can go through the entire night yeah. Not knowing if Ethan's eating or not. Yeah. And she came over and she gave me some poses mm-hmm. and she, you know, there's different poses. Yeah. Position, positions. Days. Yeah. Okay, you got the cradle. Yeah. Then you got the, the football where it's like yeah. that. And their football. head is right here. Right. Okay, and they, they kind of, yeah. right? What else do they have? There's they have a, the, There's a cross cradle, which is my personal favorite, which is the one I, I tell when I'm supporting moms is the one I tell them to use. We should have brought a baby in here. Is we it? Could, yeah. We should have brought even, Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan would be like, what is going on? <laughs> At one year old, I think he'd be like, yeah, mommy, what? I'm good. I'm cool. <laughs> but the, the cross cradle is where you use the opposite arm to the to the breast you're going to put baby on. So mm-hmm. opposite arm to the breast. Stefan, I'm going to see if we can put some images up by the video and see if we can show people. In yeah, because it'd, it'd be good for people to know it's not just the, cr- the cradle hold that you have to use. And then the sideline, my personal favorite, because I actually got some sleep, is when you're lying on your side and baby is, so you're li- laying down, your, your leg is up like this, <laughs> and you have the baby like so, yeah. your arm is up like this, and you're kind of just t- taking a little cat nap while baby's on the breast. Like, so, you guys you know? are so lucky. I've never taken a nap while um, breastfeeding Ethan. That I, saved me. Yeah, honestly, the the deliriousness from lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. you just feel if you don't get sleep, that also can affect your flow. That can also affect your milk production. It it affects it from the perspective of you're stressed if you're not getting enough enough sleep. But the thing is, what I wanted to to dispel the myth is that somehow mothers who formula feed sleep better than moms who breastfeed. Actually, moms who breastfeed, when you're you're when you're getting your sleep, it's a, supposed to be a better quality of sleep. Yeah. So it, it might not be a lot, but when you do get it, it's like 
not the quantity it's the quality quality of the sleep it's hardcore quality i'll tell you there was nothing that felt better than when both of your boobs are empty and you don't have that pressure like a deflated balloon because i would wake up some nights and let me tell you okay i mean stefan i'm sorry do you have a baby oh okay well, we're about to get real graphic up in here, okay? So you yep. can literally wake up and you will have all of your ducks flowing. It's like a sprinkler. Just spouting everywhere. everywhere. Not I for would wake all, up with my shirt soaked. Not all, not for all women. Some women, they look, they wake up like Pamela Anderson, but somehow the milk manages to stay inside. But some <laughs> women, some women, they wake up Pamela Anderson and it's like spouting everywhere. Yes. You just got milk going everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, I'm tell- telling you about what's going on. So, obviously, I, I figured it out. And thankfully, between Andrea and mm-hmm. Allison and them watching me tear up and cry many a times, I remember one day I decided to go to a, a mommy circle. I don't know if you remember this episode. Yes, you mean Inspire. Yes, so yeah. there's there are these mommy circles in Barbados, which can help you kind of share your experiences so you don't feel alone and, you know, mm-hmm. you can sit down and talk about things. You can sing along. You bring your baby with you so they can have some socialization. These were all in the days before COVID when everything was brilliant. and Just to say, just as a little sidebar, so we still do that, mm-hmm. but we're doing the COVID styley, of course, which is through Zoom. <laughs> Um, right. So we they still have the mummy groups where we do it every we do it once a month now and they come together and we do a, we're doing a sensory session this October and we actually have guest speakers come in and tell them about tantrums and yes. speech and language or whatever. So let's, it's still happening. Let's put a note to make sure that by the end of the show we give them the exact information so of they course. can join up. Um, but I remember one day I had decided this really doesn't have much to do with breastfeeding. It was just about being a new mom mm-hmm. and the stress I felt because my husband was still working full time and I wasn't ready to get a nanny or any kind of help. I thought that I could do it all by myself. And let's say the mommy circle was at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I got up and I said, oh, I got plenty of time. I can feed Ethan. I can do the laundry. He can take a nap. I can, he can get up. Anyways, long story short, you make plans and God laughs. And yep. I found myself at 11 o'clock now getting into the car Mm -hmm. to get to this thing that was starting at 11 and I said to myself I don't care when I get there we're going this is happening and that's what I we actually that I I met you there yes for the first time I think that was face to face yeah Ethan cried from I'm going to tell you we were in St. James Ethan cried from St. James all the way down to Hastings and he stopped maybe two minutes before we parked Mm -hmm. and I felt like the worst person because I I was breastfeeding and I was like should I pull over and feed him or should I just make it just get it get get there there. and then feed him so I made the decision to just go there and then feed him and then he stopped crying and I felt like oh my gosh even my kid has given up on me (laughs) I'm not even good enough he's just like you know what this is this why am I here but you know what is going on but Astra you know the thing is is that sometimes as mothers we 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 have an inbuilt guilt complex thing that we have going on naturally we have these guilt feelings for for the smallest things to the largest things so the the fact is is that the half an hour drive between Mm -hmm. st james and hastings and this is for all mothers who are watching this podcast your child is not going to become unwell they're not going to die in half an hour if you don't manage to get the feed in and mothers need to know that because i i see it happening a lot they think that 
as soon as baby cries and if they don't feed them, something in their mouth, something's going to happen. Yes. Absolutely. If your baby cries and you're at home and you can feed them, ultimately your, your aim is to change the nappy, make sure they don't have poo riding up the back or something. And if everything is fine and they're still crying, that's the only way they can communicate with you. So, because I thought put, to myself, am put I going your breast in their mouth? Am I going to pull off on the highway and start feeding Ethan? Does this make sense, or should I get to the circle and then feed him there? The decision you made was the right one. You know, and right I didn't feel that way because by the time I got out of the car, and maybe we had like maybe six minutes left of this circle by the time I got there, <laughs> everybody, I walk in, everybody looks at me, and one person asks, "Hey, Astra, are you okay?" Very innocent question, right? I don't know what it was about that question. Maybe it was you that asked that question. Possibly. I started crying Crying. rivers of tears. In front of of everyone, I I remember. A whole circle of moms are staring at me like, (laughs) we just asked if she's okay. But that's the thing. The that the look on their face would never have been, oh, what's up with her? It would have been like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, we've been been there. there. You have yeah. those meltdowns. I, yeah. I literally emotionally cracked at that moment because I realized at the point that me not asking for help was doing more harm to me. Mm-hmm. And I had my backpack on and Ethan's here in my arms and I'm crying and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And can I tell you, those moms sat with me and did probably an extra half hour of that circle, even though this it was... The, the session had ended, ended yeah. they stayed, they comforted me, they told me stories about how, when they had cried, and I felt like, A, I'm not alone, this is not some situation that happened in some kind of a vacuum, and B, it's going to be okay, this is something that's that's happening within the first few months. It's finite, you're, yeah. Right, you're going, there's an end point to this, you're going to get on the other side of that. Yeah. Definitely. And that's actually when you took me outside too, you and Andrea, and we did some yeah some positioning because I was still at that point having issues with yeah the actual feeding. feeding. Mm-hmm. I had actually decided, you know what, I need to start pumping, and I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to you about pumping as sure. well because I had started pumping um, at a time that I guess was not recommended within the first because mm-hmm. you know everybody Google's, everybody does their research, and they said. Well, really, you should establish breastfeeding first before you start pumping. Yeah. Because it can affect how the baby... Um, it's mainly about milk supply. Mm-hmm. Because remember, a pump isn't going to remove as much from your breast as a baby's mouth will. But, right. but that's the thing. That's a baby with an effective latch. Yes. So if baby's not effectively latching onto your breast, so just kind of playing around with the yeah. nipple each time you put to the breast, then you need to get the milk off. Yes. So although it's not recommended, I would say within the first month, you're not going to be trying to pump your milk off. No. As a rule, mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on, is baby latching on? Because if baby's not latching on, something better be latching Which on. Which is really important, and I feel like Ethan wasn't. Yeah. So I started pumping, and I was really excited. I got the number one brand in, in the, yeah, if I remember correctly. I, well, that was the manual, but remember, oh. I remember you were actually really impressed because I started with an electric pump. Yeah, and then I switched to manual. So I started with an electric pump, and I felt like this is it. All this milk is going to come off. Ethan is going to have all the milk he needs, and 
Um, there's going to be extra. I'm going to have Store tons and tons fridge. of milk in the freezer. I can go back to work. No mm. problem. I pump for the first time and I get maybe a third of an ounce of milk mm. out of my boobs. And I thought to myself, what is this? And an ounce is like 30 mils. So that means you got about 10 mils. So yeah. like a syringe full of milk. But <laughs> that's, milk. but, and, and I'm not kind of, yeah. Pointing out that to say, oh, that's so little. What, what, what are you trying to do? Yeah. But the fact is, is that that is pretty standard. The thing with pumping is, is that often on some women pump and they're like masses of milk come, yes. comes out. But actually, I find more often is average amounts are very small, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. Remember, that's not a reflection of what's in there. Mm-hmm. That's what mothers have to remember when you actually see the milk in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It is not a reflection of what's actually inside your breast, and it's not a reflection of what baby's actually getting. You right. have to remember that. Okay. So eventually, after some weeks, and I kept pumping, I would wake up in the middle of the night because I heard um, for those that pump that your flow is better sometimes at nighttime. Um, I would get up at two o'clock in the morning, and I did find that I would get more milk in the middle of the night i guess because you're relaxed maybe that's it you've been asleep for a few hours and also that's when prolactin the hormone that's responsible for milk production that's when it's Mm. at its highest at nighttime yes so if if it's high at night then your milk production your flow might be that little bit better at night time and um thankfully that was my decision because i just felt like ethan's latch and he would if he could stay on the boob for 24 hours a day he would do that. Mm. And the way my work life mm. balance was set up, I said, I have to make the decision to switch over to pumping. Mm-hmm. And I would feed him sometimes probably like first thing in the morning, last thing at night. But during the day, I'm in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. I need to have some reserves. So I started pumping and I was I was quite successful. I actually moved from the electric pump to the manual. And that was fine because you can simply, and we can recommend the Haka pump. Mm-hmm. Because you can feed baby and still have the Haka connected and you don't have all these wires and Mm -hmm. everything. So if you haven't seen, check out the Haka pump. Um, I know it's available on Amazon. I don't know if it's here. I don't know. I I don't know. And Medela also does manual pumps as well. All right. So let's talk a little bit about things that moms do to prevent or maybe hinder their milk flow and things that they can do to improve their milk flow. Which one would you like to start with first? Um, well, I don't want to say moms do anything to hinder milk flow. I think it's all the process of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And it's the stress that's associated with breastfeeding and not being sure whether or not your baby's getting enough. And stress can hinder milk yes. flow, milk production, because it you know it it definitely has, make, has an impact on it as well. So I always talk... You know, I tell moms about self-care. Self-care. Make sure that you're okay. It's like, you know, my husband always talks about this. I can't remember in what context, but he's talking about the being on the plane and the, what do you call those things that come down? If oh, a, the air, the, the, um, the mask come down. So you, they ask you to put yours on first before, before you helping anyone help, else, helping anybody else. And it's the same thing with everything in life. You need to practice self-care. You need to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, making sure you eat enough nutritious food, make sure you're drinking enough water, make sure you have your glass of water next to you when you're breastfeeding because if you're dehydrated, your milk your milk supply is also low. Yeah. It can be low. 
Um, and just make sure you're taking care of yourself. You do that first, and then you your milk flow, if it's slow, may rise. Yeah. Because if that's the problem, mm-hmm. um, I think too that some mothers forget that breastfeeding is about demand and supply. So in that first 24, 48 hours, that's crucial for your milk coming in at day three or four. So it might seem as though baby isn't taking much and you get like five mils coming from your breast each time baby breastfeeds, but you still have to do the work. Put him on, put him, you know, put him or her on, make sure they breastfeed, they wake up, they breastfeed. Because then that means that day three or four, your milk washes in, your Pamela Anderson. I have to stop invoking this woman's name, but it is literally <laughs> how you look. It's literally how you look. Huge, you know, your, your, this, the primary cause of breast engorgement is that first milk coming in. Wow. You know, that's engorgement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essential. That's an essential part of the process. So it is literally about making sure that baby's latched on properly. Because if baby is not latched on properly, you're in pain. So the first sign that baby's not latched on well is if it's painful. Okay. If you you take baby off and your nipples are raw and turning into mincemeat. Andrew hates when I use that terminology, but it's literally... quite visual visual and then you know <laughs> what to look for right but it literally has that kind of look yes and and if that's happening there's something wrong with the latch and for those who are saying you know what i've tried everything i don't know what i'm doing wrong can they come to the foundation and take classes is there anything so the then? the foundation we're small we don't have classes as such and um, we do outsource to people who do breastfeeding preparation classes mm-hmm. And, and also, it depends on whether, if you want the support group style, so once a month we have our support group and you can come and there's a, a senior midwife, Sister Felicia Archer, who, you know, retired midwife, she's at every single session, she gives advice and she, you know, she, she's willing to also see you one-on-one to kind of give you breastfeeding advice. But um, we also outsource for one-on-one breastfeeding advice as well. Um, but the, the whole point of, you know, milk flow and milk supply for these mums is get baby latched onto the breast, yeah. get support. So I'm not just talking about with the BCNF. Of course, mm-hmm. that's what we, that's what, why we exist to support mummies. Mm-hmm. But before you leave hospital, when you're in hospital, talk to the nurses and say to them, because we're a BFHI, we're a baby-friendly hospital, which means that our nurses, our midwives are trained yes. to assist, not just in giving you information, but practical assistance your babies and latching on properly, they can give you the practical assistance to get baby latched on, to at least right. start that process. And then and they, don't leave until they do. And uh, <laughs> maybe there for a few days, and I'm sure they may not be too happy about that because, you know, they got work to do. But still, yes. still really make, the, it's hard sometimes, especially when you see them working hard, you can see they're tired and they yeah. don't have a lot of time, but you still have to make the effort to kind of say, listen, I really need help. My baby's unlatched on. Mm-hmm. And... You know, sometimes you might think, and they might think that formula is the next step. But actually, formula, if you think, if you go to UNICEF, on the list of scale of things that you should do when baby's right. not getting enough milk is formulas at the bottom of a list of four things. Mm. So the first thing is to breastfeed. And then the next thing is to express your milk off, whether usually hand expression is better even than using a pump. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is use a wet nurse. So get a, a wet nurse. Yeah, get milk from another mummy. But obviously in the context of making sure that's a safe thing to do. So this is these are the UNICEF the, 
approved methods. Well, probably UNICEF, using UNICEF recommended tiers. So mm -hmm. it's like a list of ways that they, in terms of when, how they recommend babies should be feed optimum. Fed well, let's optimally. talk about the wet nurse for a bit. I know that there are some <laughs> moms and I, I, you know, I have to shout In Barbados? Yes. And not, not, I wouldn't say officially wet nurses, but mm. I know that there are moms who have breastfed and pumped so regularly that they have so much milk that their freezers are overflowing mm -hmm. and it's either that they throw it throw away, away or they give it to someone else. It. Yeah. But I think that some moms <clears> may <throat> feel a bit strange about that and they may actually prefer to use formula because the thought of having another mom feed your baby and nourish your baby, you may feel, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm mm -hmm. saying that emotionally, there's some moms who don't I even want it. people to hug their baby. They don't like people, they don't want their baby to smell like somebody else. Yeah. So to have the milk of another woman nourishing your baby mm -hmm. might feel a little bit like, like you don't feel like, it's not like cheating or anything, but I, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but I know that the moms out there know what I'm saying. And they would rather just have something that's kind of distant, a box of formula like a, that you get at the supermarket. But then you think, and, but then you think about the fat, but if you think about it from this perspective, so yes, I, I do get emotionally why another mother giving your, cause they're not breastfeeding them. They're gonna, you're gonna collect the milk from them yes. and give it to your baby. Um, so not in a wet wet nurse in the strictest sense. Right. Um, and think about donor milk banks, which is really what UNICEF is also talking about. There are buildings and spaces, departments and buildings that collect mother's milk, put it in a freezer, uh, clean it first, make sure it has no um, infectious right. agents. Screen it. Exactly. And make sure that it pasteurizes it and everything. Make sure it's nice and clean, just like you do normal cow's right. milk. And... and then give it to NICU babies because they need the breast milk and, and other babies might need the, the breast so milk. So I have a question because I know that um, here in Barbados, I don't, I'm pretty sure we do not have a breast milk bank. No, we don't. We do not. No. Um, is that something that you would recommend to have here? Is that? Absolutely. I mean, I would say I, I would be surprised if my colleagues in NICU would not absolutely thrilled if we could develop something like that here and i wow. think i think a couple of years ago um qeh had the, the ambassador to brazil had come and they were talking they were discussing the whole donor milk bank thing because brazil is held as the gold standard for doing that they have they do they have fire trucks who will go out to people's homes collect the milk and take it back to the hospital that's so to, interesting to the place where it's going to be to be you know screened and and kept clean i and think safe. that's really i think that's really it's interesting. fantastic but of course it's a lot of money right it's and especially expensive. for moms who make the decision to go back to work mm -hmm. you might sometimes feel like your options are very limited we had a conversation one time about moms who go back to work however it's recommended even here in Barbados that breastfeeding happens up until six months yeah. minimum yeah um so but we go back to work after three months and some moms are wondering but how how am I supposed to do this am I just supposed to pump am I so like what are my options here am I should every workplace have a 
place where I could pump because if I'm going to be pumping for my baby while I'm at work, I need to have a, a clean, quiet area to do that. You, you definitely need to, before you go back to work, you, you have to start thinking, am I, is this what I want to do? I, I find that if, there, if there's a mistake, I think that, that moms make, is not making decisions about breastfeeding even before they've had babies. So mm-hmm. before you have baby, make the decision. Do I want to breastfeed exclusively to six months? Or am I happy? Have I made the decision internally in myself that right. I also want to include formula? It makes it makes your life less stressful. Yes. And it, my job as a, a breastfeeding advocate is to say to you, you don't need formula. You, you can, but you, the mother, like I had to as as a mother, I have to make the decision for myself. Absolutely, and, and no one gets to judge you for whatever decision you Absolutely. make. Absolutely, right? And the BCNF, we're not in the job of of you know in the role of judging, mm-hmm. but we but you need to make the choice. And that's why I brought Allison on because I know that you have that balance that we're looking for. Um, Ethan, he's one year old. He's now on formula. I decided after one year of can I make the point? Milk, he don't need no formula. He does, <laughs> all he needs, all he needs is to have a well balanced diet. I had to put it in. He does not need formula, and perhaps formula companies are saying, "Good Lord, get this woman off the podcast now." Can I just you, say that you, Allison's you, thoughts? You do not. You do not need. Are not necessarily reflective the, of those of apparently with Astra. Ethan still likes to drink. Still he likes, he to likes the milk. comfort right. of milk. So he has right. it last thing at night, and then he has it first thing in the morning and the rest of the, the, rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I do realize that even now, first thing in the morning, it's he used to drink eight ounces, and now uh, it's down to four. Yeah. So he's not as interested, and now well, he's drinking more all water. All I was going to say is, cows, just pine hill dairy, cows, yeah. he doesn't have to have formula per se. It's before mm-hmm. a year of age where they recommend that they have formula. But because his diet is... From what you're describing, yes, but you're very, gonna... <laughs> very well balanced, very wide and very varied. wide and varied. <laughs> he doesn't need to have the extra bits that they put in the formula. Uh-huh. He gets that from his food. That was all I was going to say. Oh, formula right. companies. So some things that you know moms know and you know new moms should know is that babies they don't really need anything besides milk up until six months. But of mm-hmm. course, you know your baby, and if they seem like they're still hungry or they want to nibble on something, I, I started Ethan on rice cereal at four months old and he would have a little bowl and then we graduated at six months we add a little smush banana to that Mm -hmm. and you know he loved that and he would have that twice a day and now he's on food he is on mashed potatoes spinach broccoli pumpkin squash regular i mean he's on he's on everything yes And, and i would say that so at the end of the day moms get to choose how they're going to feed um, the BCNF is really about making the, the recommendations as per UNICEF or whatever international yes. body. So they say nothing besides breast milk. And if you are giving formula, formula up until six months. Um, and then you start introducing um, your food. So I'm not saying to you that if at five week, five months and two weeks shy of six months, I'm not saying to you, you cannot start something if for some reason... It, you know, your scenario requires you to start it, that something bad is going to happen. Right. But they do say to you six months, and they have to have a cutoff, otherwise people just keep shifting it back further and further. Of course. So six months is a cutoff, and then you start your complementary foods. And your complementary foods, it doesn't need to be blended. It could just be take a fork, squirt some breast milk in, because you're still going to be producing breast milk, squirt some breast milk in, add some 
black pepper and some thyme and whatever else yeah. you want to mix up in there and give them to eat. The, the whole thing with, with nutrition and feeding children is when you breast, when you make the choice to breastfeed, you've made the decision, this is optimally, this is the best thing to give my child. Um, formula is is not not is not not an option. Formula is definitely something that makes sense for some mummies, yeah. and they they have the choice to to use the formula either exclusively or to supplement, or if they're going to do whatever they choose to do. Mm-hmm. But the the key thing is is that you make sure that even after six months, you are still aiming for optimal. Yeah. So it means. Uh, I've got to say, not necessarily using processed baby foods. Um, just boil a potato. Yeah. Boil a potato. I think, it'll, honestly, for some moms, because I always have to play devil's advocate. Of course. You know. Um, it's, some people might think it's a time thing. Some people might think it's just easier for their lifestyle. Why add another stressor? Why should I have to peel a potato? I mean, I could just, you know, mm-hmm. take the jar. And I mean, with Ethan... Luckily for Ethan, he's got me who mm-hmm. doesn't work a nine to five job. He's got a nanny there who knows how to cook. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, these things happening. But there are some people in certain situations who may feel like, you know what? I've already got enough going on. As long as he's or she is fed, what's the difference? What is the difference? So there is a difference. There is a difference because those processed foods are high in salt and high in sugar. And I mean, if we're really in this mind space of talking about child nutrition and what's optimal, and remember what you do even before you have had your baby, what you do to your body has an impact on their health in their in the, into adulthood. So, and I'm talking about childhood obesity, I'm talking about NCDs. So if we're talking in that context, and we all know the statistics that, you know, it's what, 84 uh, it, um, 84% of people die from NCDs. That's, a, I think, a 2014 statistic from WHO. So 84% of total deaths is from non-communicable diseases. And it's really about the food we eat. Yeah. And it's even about the food that we eat and we give our babies from the time that we start weaning them onto solid foods. Yeah. And the reason is, is that not necessarily that these foods are high in saturated fats, but they're high in salt and sugar. And if we start feeding our babies or children those foods from early on, they get used to salt. They yeah. get used to sugar. And then that leads on. That's their palate now. So exactly. they, they don't understand and they, they don't want what fresh food tastes exactly. like. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. They, they You give them a banana, it's like, no, that's not enough sugar for me. That's what their palate is saying. Bananas I, have a lot of sugar. <laughs> a lot of sugar. Yes. And if a banana is not enough, yeah. you understand the levels of sugar that these children are, are requiring. So I think it's really important that we... Although, yes, I get the, 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 don't get me wrong. I am a mother. I take my children to school. You think I want to cook every single day? But I do because I recognize that the importance of it, nutritionally for my children. Or if you have children. to do the meal prep, I know there are mm-hmm. organic, you know, you can do organic baby food. There's frozen. There, there's some that are pretty good. Yes. I actually met, well, I nearly met a young man who's actually brought out baby foods here in yes. Barbados. And, and I don't know what the nutritional content of them are, but I'm hoping that no th- salt, yes, no sugar. Yes, I think I know the same person you're talking about, mm-hmm. and he kind of showed the ingredients, and it was basically just um, Whatever vegetables the food. and then flash fro- He sm- 
smushes it and flash right. freezes it and and that's it and that's exactly what you want yes you know and you know i have to say that for the moms out there the busy ones we get it but hey if you're eating if you're having dinner just put a little bit to the side and then they can have it for lunch no the next salt day. no sugar and then yeah all right easy yeah. all right i got one more major question for you because i know we've been here for a while um nipple strike or <laughs> or what do they call it? Milk strike or whatever they call it. You this is when, when uh-huh. all of a sudden the baby just decides they don't want to be on the on the nipple anymore. Mm. It could just happen. They start crying if you if you start breastfeeding them. It doesn't happen to all women. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen to all babies. But for those that it happens to, because I feel like it happened with Ethan at one point. What can you do? Um, what can you do at that point when a baby is crying and says, I don't want it kind of depends on whether this thing has happened kind of suddenly. Because, mm-hmm. you know, babies have moods too. So it, if, if, if what you're saying is up until the point, happy, happy on the breast, and then one day, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. Could be an airache. Anything. Could be a sore throat. It could be, it's too hot. Be I don't your be, diet. It could be something from you, the food that you're eating. It could be, it's a really hot day and he just doesn't really want to be close to you right now because it's too hot. <laughs> it could literally be anything. Because most babies are going to gradually wean off the breast. Mm-hmm. Most babies gradually wean, and and that's the most normal way that it happens. So if it's a sudden stop, yeah, it often mean don't. It doesn't mean you have to stop and and don't offer the breast again. Um, keep offering. Keep off. Keep I think offering. I remember Andrea saying also simplify your diet if that's the mm-hmm. case, and you got to give yourself a fighting chance if you want to continue. Yeah. So simplify your diet and do as much skin to skin contact as, as possible. You can. Even even you know because it usually happens like between four and five months, and skin to skin is like the cure for basically everything. everything. So just take your baby, rock him, mm-hmm. hold little baby next to you, make sure you're not wearing anything and he can no, right no perfumes no creams no yes. nothing that will because remember it usually is most um strong in the newborn period where their yes. senses their olfactory their smelling sense is most strong so then they can literally hone in on the breast and, and want to suck yes. but even at four and five months you can still try that and see if that works for them yeah and i know that we mentioned this earlier and i wanted to bring it back around social support mm-hmm. for women and I feel like when it comes to breastfeeding and a woman's decision to do so, because it is really a physically and emotionally, it can be draining, literally. Mm-hmm. You're, you're being drained. <laughs> and that support, I think in Barbados, we are very, very focused on the baby, mm-hmm. on the health of the baby, the hospital. Make sure you're feeding the baby. How's the baby doing? Don't walk to the bathroom if you're holding the baby put the baby down. You might drop the baby. So mm-hmm. it's all baby all the time. And I love that. I love that we are, we love our babies here in Barbados, mm-hmm. but I feel that somewhere in the midst of that, we forget about the, the mental health mm-hmm. of the mother and the wellness of the mother. Absolutely. So that's why, why the first thing that I tell moms is about, you know, I mentioned it before self-care, making sure that you're okay. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned social support. I think it's really important that as a country, we recognize that it's not just a woman's responsibility breastfeeding. Right. It's, it's a societal one. 
it means because we're raising a generation exactly and it means that from the health professionals to church officials to government making yes. policies that allow mothers enable mothers to breastfeed in their workspaces is essential giving them longer maternity leave giving dads paternity leave which is a crucial thing as well I mean, not my, yelling at us if we're not fully covered up in public while exactly, feeding our children. Public, you know, because public breastfeeding is, I'm not sure Scorned. what the issue is. I mean, breasts are not sexual organs. They literally only function, as far as I'm aware, is to feed babies. Yes. So, And it, it still annoys me, the fact that a man can drive topless or walk around the beach. And, and we still have to be like... What is that about? Clothing. That is for know. another episode. Definitely, we'll bring it back. Definitely another episode. <laughs> but, but certainly, you know... So, you know, the social supports and policies that enable mothers. So breastfeeding workplace policy, you know, something that the BCNF is very, very um, focused on. Yes. Um, because six month maternity leave, six months maternity leave. I think insurance should have to issue a pump for every mom. If you have or insurance even, or, or, or even if they allow you to if you go to a breastfeeding uh, consultation, yes. or they allow you to make claims for those types of things. So I that agree. makes it much more manageable Easier. financially for moms to be able to do it. Yes, I, I think it's really important that we can't tell women breastfeed exclusively for six months and not make it easy not for them us. to do it, not help them to do that. And I get it. Our government may struggle financially to allow six months maternity leave, but I think it would be much more cost effective uh, and certainly more more viable feasible for them to at least consider breastfeeding workplace policy well i'm really really hoping for that because uh, you know no matter what government is in office it seems like they're always promoting more children in barbados <laughs> so if you want to make that a reality um you know if you know anybody in office, you got to tell them to listen to this episode of Apparently <laughs> with Astra. Make sure that they listen up, right? All right. So, Dr. Allison Bernard, thank yes. you so much for coming in of and course, talking of course. with us. I enjoyed it. I had fun too. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to just let the um, the listeners and viewers know? I know we wanted to mention the Zoom meeting once again. Yeah. So just that we are we are here or mandate is supporting protecting promoting breastfeeding and we have our zoom sessions once a month we normally put the link for the zoom up on our instagram page and that's just the bcnf the bcnf yeah that you can find us on we have a number that you can call 828-8934 um, we have an email address the bcnf at yahoo.com and we're also on facebook as well you can find us everywhere um, <laughs> they are literally everywhere yeah. and for those moms who are you know, now starting out and in, in their first steps and you're feeling alone, lost, hopeless, just know that there are people out there that are willing to help you and you can make the first steps with them. And that's the goal here. We want to make sure that every mom has a successful first years with, with their children, especially when it comes to feeding and nutrition. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think this... The BCN, the, it's not the BCNF, breastfeeding and then complementary feeding. These are really cost-effective ways that we can actually make a, a dent into this the, the scourge that is childhood obesity and the scourge that's NCDs. Yeah. One low-hanging fruit, one of the first things that you can do. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, I think it's time for us to wrap it up, so to speak, here with apparently with Astra. Remember, follow Be Social Podcast. They are on Instagram. They're on Facebook. You can find them on YouTube as well, so you can watch this. 
Or if you just prefer to listen, maybe you're in the car doing, you know, your errands at home and you just want to hear the audio, we are on Apple Podcasts and we're also on Spotify. And we've got more interesting topics coming up. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on all of the platforms. And yeah, we'll be seeing you soon. Bye.